Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, and sometimes I feel led to speak on things that the creator of the universe puts on my heart. And, and today is one of those special days. Uh, keep in mind, the purpose of this show is to help empower you to find happiness from within. Whatever your faith system is, we love you, we respect you. Uh, wherever your cultural background is um, and wherever you reside in the world, we love you and we respect you. Today, the topic that I feel led to speak on is unity, the power of unity. And I don't pre-plan these conversations when I am speaking by myself. This is completely 100% spiritually led, spiritually driven, and me talking as if you are a dear friend of mine or someone that I've just met and trying to give you some advice through my own personal experiences, professional experiences, and what research and the literature says um, that comes through me. <clears throat> so thank you for giving me a little grace if my mind goes into a little bit of bunny trails every now and then because that's who I am. And that's exactly, if you ever have any conversations with my mother, how she is as well. So we learn <laughs> from those whom we are raised by. And hopefully we learn to, to grow and to be even greater human beings than what our parents um, have raised us to be or wards of the state if you did not get raised by parents or your grandparents have raised you, etc., etc. So the power of unity. So the first thing that I want to talk about in regards to the power of unity, it starts within your family. And our families are defined in a variety of ways. I grew up in a very rough neighborhood. This was at one point voted as the number two uh, in the nation town to have meth labs, M-E-T-H, yes, I said that, busted by the police. Okay. I grew up not too far down the road from Lakewood, Washington, which was regularly on the TV show called Cops, known for many arrests, known for high crime, you name it. That's the town near where I grew up in Spanaway, Washington. However, just because a family might be in geographically a rough neighborhood and high crime does not mean that the family does not value the power of unity. It means that they will have more obstacles and more struggles and more crime compared to areas where there is um, a little bit more protection, a little bit faster response time, from first responders, a little bit more affluent neighbors, uh, you name it. <clears throat> the power of unity within the family starts with the leader of the family. However your family is designed, if you grow up in a family with traditional parents, a mother and a father, it is completely different from family to family from my perspective, from my faith system, and my country being a mainly patriarchal 
um, father-led, male-dominated country, the father is the head of household. You might have grown up and you might live listening to this show in a country in, for example, Africa. There are certain tribes where the women rule the community. The women rule the tribes. And I respect you and I love you. And I love that we can have the freedom to learn from each other's experiences growing up in a family. Now, um, when I was in college, in my undergraduate, I took... I took an anthropology class, and I can't remember the name of the professor, but it was extremely interesting because it was completely different from how I grew up. When we learn things from other experiences, other cultures, other perspectives, it, it strengthens our respect for other humans. Um, if we're able to kind of have that lens of, okay, this is how you grow up, this is how you live your life, but it doesn't mean that that's how I have to live Mine doesn't mean you have to hate each other. doesn't mean you have to adapt their customs as your own. It just means that you are learning to respect differences. During this anthropology class, I remember learning about polygamy, polygyny. Uh, there are two different forms of it where the, in, in the culture, if it's respected, and there are many cultures that do respect that, even in my own country, I learned from my husband, um, <laughs> in certain states that have uh, faith systems that believe that they can have multiple wives. And you might be filling in the blanks with which states might have that more predominantly. I'll let you fill in those blanks yourself. Um, however, in this anthropology class, uh, they were speaking specifically on different countries in Africa as well as, I want to say, some of the Pacific Islander um, communities. They have, uh, there's two differences in family households. They have a community approach. Uh, in certain dominated cultural belief systems, they have uh, the father is allowed and is expected to have multiple wives uh, each wife has her own particular role and responsibility. Some are for ch childbearing. Some are for uh, gathering of the food. Some are for taking care of the children. And they also kind of cross train and sometimes, uh, you know, help out with multiple responsibilities. But their main roles are certain areas, right? The father his responsibility in this situation is to bring in enough money to pay for all of the wives or bring in enough food if he's um, gathering, you know, hunting for animal meat and whatnot. Um, and that is, that is one version of polygamy. The other, there's another version where the women are allowed and encouraged and this is in the tribes where uh, females are, uh, it's a more matriarchal community, they are allowed and encouraged to have multiple husbands. Now, they don't go to their court systems and say, this is my husband, and this is my husband, and this is my husband. They just establish it as a community. Uh, they have the elders of their community that approve it and they they do their sacra their sacrifice or their ceremonial 
uh, traditions as a tribe together. It is respected, acknowledged, and they have their multiple husbands. Now, I always thought that this was really interesting because <laughs> growing up in a patriarchal society where men dominate pretty much everything and women have to step big, big steps and big challenges and find ways to work together while traditionally we are taught to fight each other instead of lift each other up. I thought it was interesting that in the, in the matriarchal societies that they are, <laughs> they're basically like boss babes and they have as many men as they want now do I want that as well no I'm not interested for me but I respect it because I was learning through this college class right I was I was in my early impressionable years I want to say I was a junior but we could go back and check the transcripts for confirmation on that um and but in the traditional matriarchal tribes where polygyny polygyny I forget which which of the terms it's called when the when the um, woman is allowed to have multiple partners um, it is just res- it's deemed respectable and then you have the traditional uh, household that and I say traditional from my perspective of how I grew up right traditional could be polygamy if you grew up in that society right um, what they were finding, and I listened to a lot of the sermons from a variety of thought leaders that have large followings, uh, Jeff, uh, Joel Osteen, Bishop T.D. Jakes, uh, even Les Brown, although he does more business motivational speaking. Um, I feel like I'm going to church when I listen to him. Um, Joyce Myers, Tony Robbins, Uh, Oprah Winfrey, although she doesn't say too much on religion, she does use the term creator or sometimes uh, the universe. So I'm not sure which way she leans. I think she's kind of Switzerland neutral. Uh, But I listen to these people. And what often I hear from, uh, on this particular story, Joel Osteen had shared, I forget which sermon, but uh, he, (laughs) he spoke on some biblically historical tribes and how the women started fighting with each other over the attention from their husband, right? Because if you got a husband that's got like multiple wives, he got five, six, seven wives, he only got 24 hours in a day, right? We all got 24 hours in a day. And that's where the emotions come into play. And so they were, you know, fighting and arguing and bickering over like who got to probably sleep with the husband that night or who got to you know, get get the love, right? Get the attention from the husband. And so then that's when uh, some of the laws started coming into play. And it might be, you could correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a theologian, but uh, it might be right around the time where Moses established through the inspiration of the creator of the universe, the Ten Commandments, right? What is one of those Ten Commandments? Honor your father, and mother. Now, if these tribes had multiple husbands and multiple wives, that's a huge shift. It did not say honor your fathers and your mothers. A new law was established because I believe the creator of the universe desires for us to have unity in the family. 
But I also believe that the creator of the universe does not have us on uh, strings like Pinocchio, right? I believe that we have free will. And many thought leaders that I listen to and uh, believe that they are spiritually led, they also say the same thing, that we do have free will. I believe in that time frame in history, the creator of the universe got so ticked off at their children fighting and bickering over things that could easily be solved, right? Imagine yourself as a parent of a five-year-old and you've got a seven-year-old child and they are arguing about, mom, he stole my sweater. Well, she cut my hair. And what do they do? They present the problems to you, right? And you are the judge and you are to assign discipline, right? So they're probably crying out to God, God, my husband won't give me attention. My husband, I keep giving him babies, but he's not giving me the love. God, please help me, fix me, right? The creator of the universe hears all, knows all, is all a part of time, is omnipotent, is perfect, um, has already seen every potential angle and choice that we might make, and loves us, loves us all, regardless of whether or not we recognize that the creator exists. And I believe that is when the laws had been established in time to add the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. And these are labels, right? It was in another language when it was released, right? Because it wasn't in the United States, right? If you're speaking English, it wasn't in France. It wasn't in China. I'm just throwing out random countries' names. Uh, The laws were established wherever Moses was residing. And you can ask a historian on what their opinion of where Moses was when this happened. Because I don't know that answer. (laughs) I stay in my lane. I can learn and I can Google it. But uh, Google has been wrong many times. And there is this thing called scrubbing data. And people can change things to make it look like a certain way based on the angle. But the creator of the universe knows all and is the truth and desires for all of us, regardless of our belief systems, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of what music we like, or if our family got in a big fight yesterday, the creator of the universe desires for us to be in unity. When we are in unity in our families, our children will show up to school more willing and able to learn. When we have more unity in our families, there is more power within that community to guard against thefts in the neighborhood because children feel safe to speak up about what's going on. Families know each other's names down the block. I'm thinking of a specific example. When I was in, if you have, um, if children are listening to this episode, I would advise you to listen to it first, review it, 
and then allow your children to listen. So I'll give you a second. If, you've, if you're listening right now and it's drive time university and you've got your kids and maybe you're driving them to school, to pause it because this is going to be some real, real hard stuff that I don't know if you want your kids to hear it. So I want you to have that opportunity to get them out of the car first. So pause it. <clears throat> when I was, I want to say it was 11 years old. I might have been 10. might have been the summer right before I started my first year in public school. I was 11 years old when I started public school in sixth grade. We had, uh, I'll, I'll give you the physical, geographic kind of layout of my neighborhood. My parents' house, my house. If you face the street to the right, the owner of the house, his son lived there. Sometimes the owner lived there, sometimes he didn't. But the son was maybe 10 years older than me, maybe 11 or 12 years older than me. He was close in age to my oldest brother. He was a drug dealer. He was in and out of jail multiple times. I was aware of this because people talk. The neighbor across the street, kitty corner to the right a little bit, my mom's dear friend, uh, grew up in the South. She had her own haircut business inside her house, had farm animals on the property, um, taught me responsibility, had been married multiple times, was a single woman most of the time. Sometimes she was married, sometimes she wasn't, but she was a she didn't take any bullying from any man but she also kept her mouth shut when things were going awry because you don't if you're in a sketchy neighborhood you just you keep your your mind to yourself your own business to your own business person family across the street a little bit to the left of her um the parents uh I don't remember what they did professionally. I want to say something in the home remodeling industry, maybe Boeing, something like that. Two sons. One son, really nice to me, always nice, never bothered me, about the same age as the um, son that lived next uh, to, uh, to our right. Um, the older son was predominantly more violent in and out of jail a few times from what I had heard from stories growing up. Um, occasionally got into drug dealing and drug selling with neighbor to my right. None of them bothered me because I grew up in the neighborhood. I was everyone's little sister. However, about three to four houses down to my right across the street was my babysitter and her older sister. Now, my babysitter had babysat one or two times. Now, she stopped babysitting when my parents caught her and her boyfriend having sex in the bed. I'm just saying. So she did not babysit anymore. However, I remember her. I know it was a positive experience for me. Uh, what she did after hours was her business. Her older sister, however, um, she was probably like college age, but I don't know if she went to college or not, but she had a mouth and she wanted to sleep. And we were tired of the gang members in the neighborhood running the neighborhood. She walks over at about probably one or 2 a.m. And I, I'm telling this 
third or fourth person version because this is what I heard the adults talking about. Remember, I'm 10 or 11 years old. She talks to the neighbor across the street from us, not very nicely, says turn probably your damn music off, trying to sleep, something to that effect. The tone was not respectful. He pulls out a gun, puts it on her temple, and says, is the music still too loud for you, hon? She, of course, backs away, calms down, de-escalates the situation. I was just playing, I do apologize for disrespecting you, and goes home, right? But does she keep it quiet? No, she tells everybody in the neighborhood because she is freaking scared, right? Because she thought she was going to die literally because she told him to turn the music down. You don't disrespect people that have violent tendencies. That's what I learned growing up. Unity and power in the family is not just your family that you live in. It's your neighborhood that you grow up in. So what that did, when, when my mom heard the story, she calls one of her best friends, who was a veteran spouse. Um, she has since passed away a little bit after my dad did. But she calls Rebecca. And Rebecca don't let nobody bother her because she, was, uh, she went through some real stuff as a child. She knows how to get resources. She connects to first responders. She volunteers in the community. She didn't live in our neighborhood. She lived in Tacoma. But she talks about this Safe Streets program that they were starting to do in her neighborhood because the theft was pretty bad in her neighborhood and there was a lot of graffiti that was going on people's fences. They had to pay to buy the paint to fix their own property because there was too much crime. The police couldn't handle it. They had to prioritize, you know, higher threat situations and stuff like that. So power in in the family and the unity in the family means you step up, you take responsibility even for things that aren't really your job to do, but you recognize that uh, the lack of unity within a family, within a community, within a neighborhood establishes more opportunities for crime. And you recognize that it's not just the police's job, it's not just the sheriff's job, it's not just your pastor's job to fix people's problems, right? We all take a, a stand, step up, and do what's right what you feel within your heart, your spirit is right to bring unity in a peaceful manner, right? So the Safe Streets community program was essentially like a safe safe neighborhood watch. Everybody that had this, I wanna say it was like a 24 by 14 inch plastic sign, you'd put it up in your window. My house, each house had one sign. It went in my room because my room faced the street and I got my own room, my brothers had to share. Uh, and so uh, the sign went in my room. Now it was a white sign, I remember with green writing, I don't remember the exact verbiage on it, but it was something to the effect of this is a safe streets neighborhood, closely monitored. Kind of like you would use 
an alarm system sign if you've ever heard the story that uh, most burglaries do not occur on properties that have the sign that they have an alarm system, even if your alarm system is not active currently. Um, it was kind of like that thing. And then neighbors started calling each other, started getting involved, started sharing. If there was a theft down the street, then they would call each other and say, hey, got a theft, keep an eye out for this kind of car. So we started to becoming a close-knit, unified community of family members of all different backgrounds to hopefully remove the threats, right? We couldn't get rid of the fact that it was easy for these teenagers to sell drugs, right? Because they were motivated by money and power, whatever. We couldn't get rid of that fact and we weren't trying to change them. We decided to step up as individuals, as family members to protect each other's children. And I was a child, but I, like, I'm, I'm remembering this so vividly because it happened so frequently in the neighborhood and if you don't understand, because you grew up in maybe a safer space in life, I'm trying to educate you <laughs> based on my personal experiences and also what the literature says. I believe it was Les Brown that said this. Oh, I was listening to a lot of these videos. When I got my smartphone... I started working at the psychiatric hospital where this whole move happy thing started. That was the year my dad died and I needed things to hope for. I needed to plug into things that were positive on my way to work because I worked in a hospital where I didn't even know what floor I was on half the time <laughs> because my stress level was so high. A few months prior, my, my divorce to my first husband had finalized and I was dealing with the fact that we thought that my father's cancer was pneumonia for the first two weeks. And then after they found out that it wasn't pneumonia, five weeks later, he died of stage four cancer. It was a shock. And that was my 30th birthday year. Like, freaking tough. But the culture within that hospital was so nurturing and loving from every single person I worked with. The staff, the patients, there wasn't anybody that disrespected me, except for one towards later in the year. But when I brought it to the attention of uh, the staff, they immediately course corrected and made sure that we all felt safe and whatnot. And um, also, shout out to my girl, at the uh, center hall, who was in charge of all the safety emergency buttons, changing the batteries out. She and I connected. Now we're, we're on social media and we get to follow each other's journey. And she's a grandma and she's just, she's loving on her kids and she loves her job. She works so freaking hard and she made sure that I got a new pager, emergency pager system. When I was dealing with all of that and trying to get oriented, what floor am I on? And dealing, grieving the fact that my father died. I'm driving Uber and Lyft before and after work because I didn't get paid for a full 30 days. Did not know that I was not getting paid for a full month when I needed money. So I was working so hard when I first started this job and I was grateful 
to work in one place instead of five places spread out over the course of the state of Washington because I had already done that a few years prior after getting my master's degree. The power of unity within your family can impact your career choices. It can impact how you view yourself, which then impacts how people view you, right? Because if you are not confident within your own abilities, your own cognition, your own level of professionalism, that energy is released to others. They will treat you how you interpret that you deserve to be treated. (laughs) I'm so grateful for you listening to the show right now. Uh, If you do hear that I'm a little bit out of breath occasionally, it's because I am walking outside. I am walking the talk. Um, When I do these impromptu conversations, I'm usually exercising in the woods because or somewhere in society that's hopefully not too full of traffic so that you can hear the content, you can hear my words, and also so I can be that authentic role model that I encourage to find some way every single day to move your body. Now, I have trained up to move my body since I was a child, and I owe that intrinsic motivation to move from my own mother. When we were homeschooled, my parents decided to do the traditional, and I say traditional, you know, from the United States version where it's the husband is the breadwinner or the income earner and the wife, the spouse, stays at home to raise the children. Someone has to raise the children. My parents decided together that that was what they wanted to do. Although we lived in a rough neighborhood and although the income opportunities were not as great as uh, humanly possible based on the level of which the confidence of my father, right, and the energy of which he released out into the world and it was respected and responded to from other people that he worked for, uh, we still lived in the same address my whole upbringing, where a lot of my friends that I grew up with in the neighborhood had a change of address often and had single parent families regularly or had military deployed families where their parent often, it was the dad, not always, but many of my friends growing up had fathers that were overseas. So mom was a single parent family dealing with email communications and or occasional satellite phone calls if if her husband had an opportunity and the time zone worked accordingly for them to connect to have a phone call if their kids, I'm thinking of my friend Jen, had any problems going on, right? Um, (laughs) Unity in the family doesn't just mean traditionally that your parents stay in the area that you grow up in. Unity in the family means that you have common values, respect, and you communicate to those of which you are associated with. 
I'm so extremely grateful for my high school experience that I actually knew about when I was nine because maybe nine or ten my oldest brother got to be a part of an elite music group and I have spoken about this many times but if, it, if this is the first time you are ever being introduced to Aaron Nicole and Move Happy um, I'm going to tell you for the first time so Mr. Krause was the choir director of the Spanaway Lake High School music program out of his own knowing and out of his own out-of-the-box creative genius and business expertise, he created a program, an elite program for the top musicians that he wanted to be a part of his program, and he called it the Music Company. It launched a few years prior to my oldest brother joining the choir. Uh, he was brought in to that school district to help turn around the fights in the school, the crime rate in the neighborhood, and to bring in something that would give all of the kids in the school district some purpose, something to look forward to, to strive for, and to shift the behaviors within the school system so that they would have something positive to be associated with that would help them prepare for their careers when they graduated high school because the graduation rate was extremely terrible and teen pregnancy was high and boys going to jail for various reasons was high. Like there were all of these negative things going on in the neighborhood but the power of unity within your family when you are a professional and you have had these positive experiences in your upbringing. I'm speaking specifically from Mr. Krause's experiences. You can listen. He was on the show for a 2.0 version a few months ago. He was a part of an elite music group that got to tour around the world. He got to perform at the Taj Mahal. Um, he is still friends with many of his Glee members, and he actually brought them to our school when I was in the program. I first was introduced to him uh, when I was, I was nine years old. I do remember he had a 35-family <laughs> yard sale or garage sale, whatever you want to call it. We, we used the school grounds on a Saturday everyone in the neighborhood was selling their junk right their treasures from home to help raise money for the high school students to be able to go to Disneyland to compete in music my so I was nine years old so this would have been 95, I want to say, 1995, somewhere around there. My oldest brother graduated in 97, so he must have been either a sophomore or a junior. I want to say he was a sophomore. <clears throat> so we were notified in advance 
as a family because Mr. Krause was extremely organized. And he used to uh, be in, in business. He used to sell computers for a decade when he, he took a break from teaching for a little while because he got fed up with the educational system. And so he had his business experiences and professional experiences that he transferred back in when he took this position. And I'm looking right now, this is a bunny trail, but there is a deer about 25 feet in front of me just staring at me right now, not afraid or anything. Good morning, dear. Good morning. You're so pretty. This is why I go in nature, because you never know what you're going to experience. So we got notified, garage sale, yard sale, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're all trying to make money to help with the Disneyland trip. And I had my own personal goal because... Um, I, uh, let's see here. So I was, I was nine when I was introduced to him and at that, at that experience. And my friend down the street promised, and I, she was a couple years older than me, she was playing the flute. And my mom had let me borrow her flute that she had for when she was a child and, um, or college or something. And, um, I was starting to get interested in music and my mom never forced us to to be interested in music She wanted us to discover it on our own and especially because I was a I was a little brat <laughs> Growing up and you couldn't tell me to do nothing if it had to be my own idea So my neighbor said that she wanted to teach me how to play the scales and teach me some songs and I was playing my mom's flute, but then one day my friend Promise was like, hey, let's clean the flutes. So we soaked, <laughs> and if you, if you know anything about flutes, you're probably gasping right now, but we soaked our flutes in the sink with soap and water. But my flute was an antique. It was probably over 100 years old, and it <laughs> damaged my mom's flute. So I did not have a flute to use anymore. I thought I was doing something good, but we did not have a lot of money for mistakes like that. So I was extremely apologetic to my mom, but my parents raised me to fix my own problems that I cause. <laughs> do, do not reach out to mommy and daddy to pay for things for me. Even though I was only nine years old, they taught me personal responsibility, and I'm grateful for that. So my dad said, well, if you want to learn to play the flute, how are you going to pay for it? So this garage sale, this yard sale that Mr. Krauss had organized was my way to buy a flute because <laughs> I was motivated to learn how to play scales from my friend because she had started to teach me things, but then we washed the flutes and then I had to take a pause. So my parents and I discussed it. We went to a pawn shop and I found a flute that I liked. And shout out to the Gemeinhart brand. Um, I want to say it was $435. Now, mind you, this is like 25 years ago. But when you pay for your own things, you remember what you spend on them. <laughs> uh, we did a payment plan for a while, and I was paying through my paper route. We had just started around that same time. I was getting 10 cents a paper. We had a couple different routes in the beginning, and then we got our established regular routes because we were like, when we first started, I think we were substitutes. 
So I want to say I was getting maybe $30 a week, maybe $20 a week. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to cover the cost of paying for my flute. Now, over time, the interest was too high, so my parents, with their wisdom, decided to pay off the debt, and then I just paid them the same amount of money, so then there was, you know, zero interest. So that, I mean, that was their choice. You know, I didn't ask them to do it. I would have kept paying on it, uh, but I probably would have been paying for years and years if we uh, continued the payment plan to the pawn shop. Um, I still have that flute today, and actually one of my songs for my first EP release, I am playing the flute, that same flute that I paid for, that my parents encouraged me to not get rid of. I'm grateful for that. Mr. Krause helped bring unity within our family and within the neighborhood. And not only that, helped to decrease crime rates in the neighborhood because all of a sudden, all of the gang members that were so angry at the police and so angry at the world, right, because they were kids that grew up in a neighborhood where they learned that they weren't respected like the other kids that were growing up in the rich neighborhoods got faster call times from police, right? And had parents that cared about them, right? And they had money to take them and do all kinds of things, right? Mr. Krauss brought unity from his professional experiences to a town that needed it most. And I got to be positively influenced just through osmosis being the youngest in the family because mom chose to homeschool us. So one day they were performing at a middle school or high school. It was in a different district. I remember the drive was very long for me, my perspective being a nine-year-old. And I'm sitting in the wooden bleachers and I'm looking at them performing in their tuxedo outfits. The girls, the ladies had tuxedo skirts that went a couple inches past the knee and they had their tuxedo white dress shirt with their cummerbund around the waist and their bow tie up front. And they had, um, they did not have the headset mics yet at that time, they upgraded down the road, but they had microphone, uh, one microphone uh, for the solo and they were dancing. And the soloist would walk up to the mic and sometimes they had a couple of costumes. I remember there was like a bear costume that one of them had for one of the songs. I don't remember what music they were singing, but I remember the experience and how it made me feel. I wanted to be a part of this program. And so I began learning the flute, learning music, and leaning in to how my family, honestly, I believe, was designed. Um, we all were musical except for my dad. He, he, he could whistle perfectly on pitch, um, but I believe was shamed a little bit from his vocals. I think, he, I think he could have sang if he was encouraged a little bit more, but that's a story for another episode. Unity within family can transform your neighborhood. Oh my goodness. I'm feeling so healthy right now. I'm dealing with uh, a lot personally through this uh, new day job that I've been doing for a few months now. And I was encouraged through a team lead that was taking over leadership temporarily while my direct manager was 
at a corporate training, he encouraged me to speak up about some sexual harassment that had been going on in the workplace. He encouraged me to bring it to the attention of our GM and the HR local person. And it has since gone very extremely south since then. It's only been a week. Um, instead of using the information that I shared to make the situation better, um, I, also, I also witnessed some sub, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's, it's a form of racism. Some of my, my friends um, from a variety of backgrounds could describe it better. It, they deal with it all the time. They have dealt with it all the time in the workplace. And it's a form of passive aggressive racism. When, when a workplace does not have equal diversity, it can occur more frequently than in places where EEO is more balanced. And that is why the EEO laws came into effect to help protect uh, those that are in the minority categories. And I presented this information both from my, my own perspective, I got the courage through my team lead, and also because the sexual harassment was starting to impact another employee. I probably would have kept it to myself because I have dealt with sexually inappropriate behavior from men my entire life. And most of the time people have not stepped up to help me. So I have learned to keep my mouth shut and keep my eyes forward. However, when I heard from a male coworker that they wanted to quit because of how disrespectful the culture is there and what they had witnessed about me that negatively impacted my pay and the four or five counts of racism that they had experienced within the workplace from the HR person and from a few other people. I decided, I prayed on it, because I don't do any big decisions without praying first. And the creator of the universe encouraged me to speak up about it. And when I spoke up about it, unfortunately, my GM decided to bump up the timeline to have it dealt with sooner, but was sick at home, got on his camera, Zoom or Microsoft Teams, I think it was Microsoft Teams, and had his camera off. Did not tell me that he was not going to be at the office. Did not tell me that he was sick at home. And I'm telling something so personally violating and inappropriate and uncomfortable for me to a black screen in front of the woman that completely discounts my eyewitness because she has her own passive-aggressive perspectives against people of color. I know this because when I presented that person as my eyewitness, her response to me was, you can't always believe what you hear 
at the office. Since then, I sent an email in to the head of HR responsible for all of the locations that own our location because I trusted her because I met her for a few moments at corporate training and told her about a way that I could help expand their veteran apprenticeship program that they just launched and was only in 30 locations out of 90 at that particular time. They have since been extremely aggressive and have purchased probably 10 more in the last couple months locations, so they're probably closer to 100 that they own. I trusted her because she forwarded on my email invitation to a free community event specifically to help improve in the treatment of people and patients with depression for our veterans and first responders. She did forward my emails to the team. She did show up for me and made me feel like there is goodness within the company still, even though it has gone completely sour since then. When I cc'd her on the email response to my GM, he had asked me to keep it quiet, to not talk to anybody about what was going on and actually shamed me for bringing it up and said, this particular person is not a manager. Why did you tell them? I said, excuse me, did I do something wrong? Uh, so that was before I sent the email. Uh, the reason for sending the email was because they do not have good leadership. They are not sure who is in charge. Everyone is confused about the leadership. I have brought it to the attention of my direct manager a few times. And someone decided to step up to take the leadership position and encourage me to speak up about being disrespected so, so violently in the workplace from a senior technician that he told me, if it happened to my wife, I would kill that person. And I don't think that he actually meant that he would physically kill the person that sexually harassed me to my face. What I think he meant by it was that I don't deserve to be treated that way, and no woman deserves to be treated that way in a workplace, especially in the United States of America. His words of encouragement launched the reason for me to speak up to the GM at all and HR, and when they did not do their part and tried to keep me quiet, that is what set me off because it was affecting my pay and affecting another person's morale at work enough so that they want to quit and they were making the most sales on the entire team. When there is not unity in an organization, it impacts the economic structure and potential. So I emailed the GM the next morning through the creator of the universe's encouragement because I am raising my standards and I cc'd the head of HR. 
unfortunately, instead of supporting my stance, which I thought she would, she decided to take the stance of connecting me to local HR people and tell me that I need to get to utilize the EAP services for mental health reasons. I immediately responded back to her that I have reached out to all 10 EAP resources. Not sure how it's relevant to this particular case. However, none of them are available. I will continue to look for resources, but I do not have the money because my job purposefully has impacted my pay negatively and I have an eyewitness. She connected me to a local HR person who immediately scheduled a call with me. I have been through enough BS that I had the knowing and the legal authority to record our conversation because the state that I reside in, it is legal for one person to know that you are being recorded. You don't have to tell the other party. Know your laws in your community. They will empower you. I recorded the interview, the conversation. I brought to light what was going on from my perspective and also the forms of racism that I had witnessed and heard about from another employee, enough so that it is negatively impacting the revenue for the business. Instead of listening to me, this HR person of color told me, well, you know, you're not supposed to talk about your business. I've read a lot of your emails. And you're really overstepping your boundaries here. I said, oh, interesting. Uh, the reason why I brought it up in the first place is because I got the AOK from the head of HR because I am bringing more, potentially trying to bring more veterans transitioning as technicians to the organization. That's already been established. She back bunny trails and says, oh, well, in that case, then it's perfectly fine. If you're going to help our organization, then it's fine. If you're going to do it for free, it's fine. But if you're trying to benefit off of our backs, that's not acceptable. I'm so sorry, hun. But um, collaborative approaches are the new preferred approach across any first place teams in any situation. When you work collaboratively, everyone wins. I did speak on the issues of racism, but she was so focused on finding faults in me and protecting the organization instead of listening to me impartially, which is her job. So I'm glad that I recorded that conversation. The following week, I sent a couple more emails to the head of HR, letting her know that I have tried to add value to the company the emails that I had sent to my direct manager that I had zero response from, ways of which to add revenue and also concerns of which my pay is not what I was promised. She since redirected me to the local HR people and said, please, uh, please work with them directly. They will loop me in on the conversations. And then I received an email from that same HR person saying 
uh, this, this form of racism is a new case. Thank you for bringing it to light. Um, we'll schedule a call immediately. And she had like four or five people that I don't know who they are looped in on the email. I replied all. And I said, I'm so sorry, but this is not a new case. This was existing. I included it in our conversation that I have a copy of the recording. Looking forward to your next steps. And at this point, I'm getting pissed off because people are lying about me. And they're trying to make it look like, unfortunately, that I have too much mental health issues that I can't stand up for myself. I'm a mental health advocate. I am open and transparent about my struggles to help bring light and support to other people with depression in and out of the workplace. It is time for us to rise up as a community. And if you have a family member that is struggling with, maybe they're not diagnosed with depression, but maybe you feel like they're getting bullied in the workplace, this is an episode for you to share with them. In the coming days, they immediately were responsive and added a Caucasian woman in HR to the conversation. They wanted to meet with me in the middle of the day, interrupting my sales opportunities because she didn't do her job correctly the week before. So I politely requested that we did the interview questions before or after work hours so no more negative impact on my money-making opportunities would ensue. Unfortunately, they did not, that did not work for their schedule. So I had to cut an appointment early with a customer. I explained it to the customer. Hey, Erin Nicole here. Um, I'm just popping in real quick because what happened was my alarm went off on my phone, which signaled to me to turn around on my walk, which was a healing walk for me um, because the day job currently did not provide me um, access to my HR website to get my medical card information. I had had to move a couple of times, so I did not have access to it when I needed it. Uh, extreme abdominal pain in the morning and uh, did not receive the response back from the night before when I had tried to access the information. I was denied access the day before. And so I was on a walk to heal and to de-stress myself through my own natural healing methods because the workplace was not providing me uh, both pay uh, access to medical card information and uh, that's so that's why there was a little pause there um, since then I have received the email information but during this walk I did not have that information yet so that's why you might hear a little bit of me apologizing to you um, because when you record on your device on certain devices, it will end the recording if there's an interruption from another app, and that's what happened. So back to the story. Apologize, my alarm went off, which tells me to turn around. <clears throat> so they, instead of supporting my comments uh, and supporting my request to have the meeting 
after hours or before hours, they, one of them had to travel for a few days and requested that we do the interview immediately within the next hour. Now, they were nice when they requested it in their tone. Um, however, it still impacted my whole day, my sales flow, my energy, everything. And I worked overtime that day till 10 p.m. I didn't get home till 10 p.m. that night. Woke up at about 2 a.m., not by choice, but because of the level of stress I have been under at this job. And the pay is not reflective of the emotional damages. Um, however, I am an extremely resilient person and I have been through way worse. So I am trying my best to get paid what I deserve and was encouraged from a team lead to speak up about it. So I had the conversation with them in the neighborhood of the person's house that I had cut the meeting short and I gave her my business card. I said, please don't feel rushed by any means. But she wanted to have the information right then and there. And she was really understanding with me. She was respectful and she wanted to give me the business. She wasn't ready to buy a new system, but she wanted to have all the information and FaceTimed her neighbor down the street because she's in a rough neighborhood and she's not used to it. And I built really good rapport with her in a very short amount of time. So I sat in the little cul-de-sac and I'm having this interview and I record this one too because they already... <laughs> They already been proven that they do not respect their employees. So, um, did like the second person. She had a lot more empathy and understanding. Um, however, when I brought up the racism case, because they asked me, they said, don't talk about other people's information. But then they started asking me about other people's information. They don't know what is going on in their own organization. She completely dismissed my comments and concerns and that was that so she said well we will we'll look into it um, please give us some time till about probably middle to late next week because I've got to travel and blah 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 excuse 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 Initially, I was going to be respectful, right? Because they are leading me in a direction that works best for the organization, not what works best for Aaron Nicole. You have to be your own advocate, stand up for your rights, and if people are disrespecting you, the creator of the universe will provide you the resources and the connections that you absolutely need in order to protect you. Because you are a child of the Most High King, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> so I immediately get reached out to from people in my community because they care about me, they trust me, and they want what's best for me because of all of the value I have shared, all of my authenticity that I have shared, and the brand that I have built out over the course of the few years that I have had a smartphone. You do not want to mess with Aaron Nicole, and you do not want to mess with the child of the Most High King. I'll tell you that much. During that same day, before we had the interview, we got a company-wide email, all 90-plus locations, 
please ignore if you get any weird messages from our top leaders. Someone has hacked into our system and is impersonating our leaders. Supposedly, they are so secure that they will never get hacked into. That's what I was told during my corporate training when I was explaining to them. I do not want any of my personal devices to be connected to the company because I've been hacked really bad in 2020 enough so that um, they found my location broke into my home and I was off the grid for two months. I do not want your company's uh, revenue to be risked or your company's intellectual properties to be at risk. I explained that to my regional manager who was the first person that sexually harassed me, but I ignored it. With no hesitation, he told me, we have the best, most secure system that could never get hacked into. <laughs> Two months later, email company-wide says otherwise. So I explained that to the ladies during the interview process, the second HR interview process, explaining to them the severity and also the situation of the first sexual harassment incident that I had ignored because I'm so used to men disrespecting me that I just thought it was normal. It's not normal. When someone in the workplace encouraged me to speak up about it, that's a man that has a wife that told me that he would kill whoever said that to his wife if they ever said that to their wife, it told me that it wasn't okay. It wasn't acceptable. I didn't know that. Because I grew up in one of the roughest neighborhoods where my neighbor, the same neighbor, promise <laughs> that taught me the flute for a summer. And we would do choreography together to Cindy Lopper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Shit, that's the same neighbor that got raped by a gang in the neighborhood when she was probably 13, maybe 12. And she missed out on middle school, high school. Her whole life changed because of the violence from men. I was so used to it because of osmosis, the damage that I had experienced personally in my own childhood and also witnessed to other women. There is an uprising of respect for women everywhere and I am so grateful for the team lead in the words that he spoke over me in a private unplanned training meeting to encourage me to speak up about what happened because I was so ashamed about what someone else did. I took ownership of their decision instead of speaking up about myself. So now I am speaking up for myself and also for all people that are diagnosed with depression or all women that are being disrespected in the workplace. If you know someone that is going through this right now in the workplace, even if they're not a woman, maybe they are a person that does not identify as any gender, non-binary or um, someone had told me pansexual the other day. There's so many terminologies that I'm still learning about. I respect you all if you are a human being. I want to lead my life with love, but I cannot lead my life with love if I cannot afford to get medication that I need because my workplace that is supposed to protect me and pay me for the services that I am providing is preventing me from making sales. 
because I am a threat to them in some way. My coworker that spoke up about me told me, Aaron, they are purposefully sacrificing their own sales commissions in order to push you out. I have witnessed this in my own experiences since the 90s. And I, I know I was sent here to help you. I was sent here from the creator of the universe to protect you because your husband is away. <laughs> Unity. in your family. The power of unity in your family does not... <laughs> Whew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach some people today. Unity and power in your family does not only contain itself within the physical walls of your home. This person that stood up for me is a part of my family forever forever because they took a stand for what was not going right that should have been going right because they have been in my shoes and they did not want me to go through the same pains that they have gone through and are still going through today. <laughs> we are all connected we are all brothers and sisters and however you want to identify yourself we are all family sometimes there are certain family members that are not safe for us to be around emotionally physically or financially because there are in Jeff Olson's terms there are givers and there are takers in the world. I am a giver. And I do see the benefits of takers because they're not afraid to speak up for what their needs and wants and desires are. If you get a giver that is constantly giving in a relationship, in a working relationship with takers, they will take everything from the giver. They will take all of their network they will take all of their time, their energy, their love, their space, their gifts, their talents, and leave them completely defeated if they allow them to take it all. However, when you raise your standards, as Tony Robbins encourages through his uh, community content online and through many of his books and his speeches and whatnot, when you raise your standards, people treat you in the way of which you allow them and communicate to them is acceptable to treat you. When I spoke up <clears throat> over the second sexual harassment case in the workplace that was indirectly told to, uh, not told to me, told, told about me from this coworker that stood up for me, this person denied it to my face on three different counts was so scared over the entire weekend because I told him to leave me out of the conversation and he knew that he was lying to me. He texted me 
I can talk to you anytime. Just let me know if I need HR present. Uh, I didn't respond. I said, hey, have a good weekend. We can deal with it next week because I wanted him to fester and think about it over the weekend because I knew what the truth was. But um, I'm new at the company and it's a lot of men that work there and a lot of established relationships that work there. And they already, I didn't know this until a few weeks ago, the person that helped me get the job was fired for sexual harassment. If I had known that, I never would have applied. I would not be in this situation. However, I am grateful for where I am at right now because the creator of the universe desires for someone to learn something for, for my pain to be an example to others and for me to be able to authentically speak from a place of truth of workplace discrimination for having a diagnosis with mental illness and being a woman in the workplace, in a male-dominated workplace. He came directly to me in the shop, which is a big no-no. He should have requested that HR speak to me directly. But he chose his masculine power to create a situation where he would try to make me feel small and have eyewitnesses that co corroborate his version of the story. Now, during this conversation, it started extremely calm. Uh, he did say, do I need HR present? But then he continued to talk instead of saying, uh, we need to get HR connected. And I didn't know that I needed to talk to HR about it because I was trying my best to not talk about it at all. All I said was leave me out of the conversation and he kept lying to me about it. So I'm like, all right, well, if he's going to be direct and talk to me, I like being direct and fixing things and just moving on, moving forward. However, he continued to lie to my face. Now, I was off the grid for a couple months and I learned a thing or two about people that are lying when their story changes multiple times in the breath of 10 minutes or less. Chances are they ain't telling the truth. However, I wasn't trying to escalate the situation. Let a liar walk into their own trap. That was advice given to me a couple days ago from my landlord. Super smart, super smart, retired U.S. Army business leader. <laughs> Anyways, so he said to me in that text message on Friday, I could talk to you anytime, no sweat. Basically, I'm paraphrasing it. Just let me know if I need HR present, right? Now, in our verbal conversation face to face, he says, Aaron, I was worried sick all weekend. Now, come again? Why were you worried sick? if you ain't doing nothing wrong. Hmm. So I was like, all right. He's like, my kids and my family are everything to me. If I lose that, I don't know what I'd do. Maybe you should have thought about that before you were saying sexually inappropriate things about another coworker and then damaging her pay on purpose. So I talked to him directly. I said, here's what went down. This is what was told to me. Did you say this or not? He said, absolutely not. And the thing is that, um, you know, the person in the vehicle that I think we're speaking on, we didn't say names. It was completely vague, but we knew exactly who was in the vehicle. 
He says, yeah, that person actually um, was the one saying the things about you. Hmm. Interesting. So are you saying to me, this is what I said to him, are you telling me that the person that came to me and told me this information about the sexually inappropriate comment that you made and the phone call that you made to my direct manager telling them that I wouldn't last 30 days and that I should probably not have opportunities for sales, that they are actually the ones that made the phone call when they don't know my direct manager's name or number at this point because they've only been working here a couple weeks? Oh, okay, cool. Uh-huh, all right, cool. Bet, bye. When there is no unity in the workplace, when there is struggle and challenge in your home, maybe you are not getting the sexual satisfaction from your wife, so you start looking at female coworkers in different ways. I don't know what the motivation was of this person to say the sexually inappropriate things that they did say about me and then negatively impact my pay when they decided to leave a sales opportunity and not support me the one and only day we ever worked together. I don't know the motivation in their heart, but I do know that when I looked at him in the eye, he was scared out of his mind because he knew that he did wrong. He had conviction in his heart and we were trying our best to move forward. We could have moved forward, however, they made it worse as a culture by the GM not supporting me when I presented the information and asking me to keep it quiet and not gossip. Well, guess what? Everyone in the office is saying that I don't answer my phone calls. Everyone in the office, because I've heard it through birds, is saying that I suck at sales. Do you think I want to spend my time energy and my knowledge and my network, my trillion dollar network? Do you think I wanna even advertise that I'll work for your organization after going through all of this? Now, I naturally have the gift of seeing the good in all situations. However, I'm getting close to my last nerve. I'm just gonna be straight with you. Now, I have not been feeling well the last couple days. Extreme abdominal pain this morning that I'm trying to work out naturally through exercise and through drinking and through when I speak on this podcast, when I speak to my friends, um, it's, a, it's a form of cathartic healing, just like you would speak to a therapist. A um, little bit different if you're speaking to a friend versus, you know, professional therapist, right? But I have not had access to a therapist that I have tried to reach out to. And I do not have the money because they have negatively impacted my pay to pay out of pocket. Their EAP services do not provide for an available therapist within geographic location during my work hours or outside of my work hours. So I'm doing what works to heal me naturally. Um, yesterday I was throwing up and it was coming in and out of both ends. TMI, I know that. But this level of stress that this situation has put me through and physiologically, um, I'm a strong woman. I am a confident 
woman, but there are limits to everybody's max capacities. Instead of supporting me and assuming the best in me, which is what I do for others, unfortunately, the organization is trying their best to remove the person that provided this information to me about that conversation and remove the person <laughs> that has been experiencing several counts of racism from their perspective and that I, I witnessed on one count in person and on one count from my regional manager and on one count from the local HR person, so three counts. There is only so much that a person can take before they have to take it to the next level. If you are not in a family of unity, in a community of unity, in a workplace of unity, oftentimes that, that can negatively impact your mental well-being. And I know this to be true because there are many people around the world that are ending their lives, even that have a lot of money, but especially those that are financially stressed, have family stress, have workplace stress. They're not feeling so much hope. I encourage you to reach out to your local church or faith system, reach out for prayer, guidance, meditation, take some time to have some introspection, do something at least 10 minutes every day that brings you joy, because I promise you, no one can fix your problems for you that are within your own mind. Only you and the creator of the universe having deep level conversations about why it is that you're going through what you're going through. When I experienced extreme, and I mean extreme growth in a very short amount of time, and then catastrophic uh, cutoff of abundance, I was extremely sad. And I also had hormonal imbalances through an implant that was in my body to help protect against unplanned pregnancies. I have since removed it, and I talk about that um, in some of my content in previous shows. If you are a woman or a person that uh, desires to have children and you are able to give birth, but you are not ready to give birth yet, I strongly encourage you, if you are diagnosed with depression or you believe that you potentially um, could be diagnosed with depression, to guard your mind against anything that would adjust your hormones in your body. And the reason why I say that is because I walked through that experience and I experienced something so severe where it catastrophically expanded my thought process in a negative way where I called the 1-800 line as my last resource, my last line of defense. I am so grateful for my angel that spoke to me and encouraged me to continue sharing my Move Happy business. 
to turn it into a business. It was before I even had done anything other than I had launched a life coaching business under a different name. And I had my book that I had written the year prior or a year and a half prior, somewhere around there. Um, I had so much extreme growth and trajectory where I had earned a promotion within uh, under, I think, seven months. I had, I had created five different forms of alternative therapies in about seven months and was awarded a promotion that my boss said no one was ever interviewed for in her 30 years working there without a state license. And I not only was interviewed for, I was awarded the promotion and worked in the role, worked in the promotion for a week while my colleague went on vacation. She came back. She was going to cover me on vacation. I took my vacation. I came back to work. And during that two-week time frame of being hired, working, and then coming back from vacation, unfortunately, state legislators decided to rule against supporting mental health. They did not want to pay extra taxes for people that they were not connected to. They did not work at our hospital. They did not know what we did, but they controlled the money. 60 people lost their jobs that day. There was a high-risk call that they had built on the campus. Um, they had hired 60 professionals, including you know everything from psychiatric, psychological, recreational, janitorial. 60 people lost their jobs in an instant. I was lucky in that I was protected through my contract. They moved me back to my original position. However, when we are in high stress situations, sometimes we do some crazy things when we are romantically inclined and I was engaged way too quickly. And my fiance at the time could not stand the fact that I lost an extra $1,000 a month that we were expecting and gonna use for our wedding plans and our future plans. He was in sales and he was happy with how much he made. He didn't want to work any harder. He wanted me to work harder. And unfortunately, it got violent. And we started doing couples therapy. And I started getting my own private one-on-one -on -one therapy. And my therapist said, Aaron, I recommend you removing yourself from this relationship and moving out of the home. When I lost that job, it required me because I could no longer afford to work in the existing position to move out. We had agreed, my fiance at the time and I had agreed to a six month trial separation where we would continue dating, but uh, we had rushed into moving in together. Uh, it wasn't something that I desired or he desired, it was something that he offered assistance to me during uh, the challenging time of processing and going through the divorce to my first husband and uh, me not having the option to go and move in with my parents because my eldest brother and his three children and girlfriend were in there and there was one shower for about seven people. And my eldest nephew was stealing from grandma to buy drugs. I have already shared this in blogs and things. I love my nephew, but he has had a lot of issues in the court system. Um, and he also has had a lot of therapy. He has had to witness 
a lot of things that average people would never have to witness. And he is going to be one of the most strongest, successful business people in his future. I know it. He's got a girlfriend right now that is helping him to become a better human being. And he is starting to mature and grow. Um, however, during that current situation and timeline, I was not going to add stress to my life and worry about my stuff getting stolen so that he could fill his need, that craving that he had for making money and or for smoking some pot. I had to leave the favorite place that I have ever worked in. I had to leave a bunch of people that I absolutely love to this day that I could call any of them, reach out to any of them, one of which helped me get the promotion is my board member, um, one of my board members on my nonprofit, Dr. Hill. Um, when <laughs> I don't like to blame other people. I like to take responsibility and fix my own problems. However, that was an eye-awakening moment for unity and disunity, disharmony in a country. I didn't know it until I walked through it my own self. My job, my future was impacted because lawmakers decided that mental health was not important and they lost out on an incredible professional that created five alternative therapy programs in seven months, three of which were billable, billable to the state of Washington. I had added, I got really quick and fast at my job because the culture was so positive and encouraging that I was able to add two one-on-one -on -one customized individual alternative therapies for patients that needed more attention and support, but they did not have the time to provide it to the patients because of their caseload. I added more value. That is why they hired me for the position. I worked all of those creations outside of my work hours. And because my boss was supportive of me, Sue Bender, love her for life, I was able to add extra forms of healing to the patients in my community and they spread word around the hospital. They told their fellow patient mates about the programs that I had created. I became known as the move happy girl on the campus and I was only there for a total of 12 months. I don't say that to brag. I say that to bring awareness to you, light to you, encouragement to you and maybe a little fire under your ass if you're being lazy right now in your workplace and you are not giving your best imagine what could be possible for you do not allow yourself to be limited by the constraints of what the job requirements are people told me my own co-workers told me about the psych associate position because they saw how much work I was doing and they recognized it and respected it. I didn't go looking for a promotion. I was grateful where I was at and I was grieving 
the loss of my father. That was the same year my dad died and my divorce finalized and my finances were in complete disarray. But when you have a faith so strong and you plug in to people that are mentally sound and have values in alignment with your belief system, you are unstoppable. I have not stopped continuing to focus on what the Creator has desired for me since I called that 1-800 line because my angel, I believe his name was Michael, they could probably look through the records, the phone records of that. Excuse me, too much phlegm. Um, When that job got cut off, when I was forced to move out, my fiance changed his mind on the six month trial separation via text message told me he wanted to break up with me it had validated what I had been praying for God please close the store if you do not want me to marry this man I will not marry another person that is not in alignment with you the creator of the universe closed the door by allowing him to make the decision instead of me because he had already exhibited forms of violence and um, I was spared because his daughter was in the house that day when he had some unexpected rage. When you have gone through challenging seasons, if you are someone that desires to be better every single day, you use the good and the bad to help you grow into a better human being, a better human being, not just for yourself and your workplace or your family, but a better human being uh, for the entire world to respect. Good morning. The Proverbs speak a lot about foolish people and those that are not open to receiving information, those that do not have any interest other than their own agendas. Uh, you cannot teach them. You can try to teach them, um, but it's wasting your energy and your breath. I have given and given and given opportunities for my current workplace, demonstrated in my time, demonstrated in email communications, and in conversations. Now it is up to them to decide if they are going to be wise or if they are going to try and pull the wool over my eyes and fire me wrongfully or dismiss me wrongfully for my diagnosis. Either way, the creator of the universe has my back. Not afraid, not concerned. However, not making money right now because it is negatively impacting my opportunity to feel safe in the workplace now. Negatively impacting my opportunity to make sales opportunities. The only reason why I made a sale in the last couple weeks is because I spoke up about my pay being negatively 
affected. So they threw new people at me that know how to close deals. Whether or not um, a person's system was indeed need of repair, I don't know because I've seen so many unethical things, including them cheating on the EPA test and allowing people to cheat off each other. I did pr bring that to the attention of the head of HR because that is a huge, huge liability. I don't know if they have since tightened up the strings on that. I was informed from technicians in the field that take their job seriously that if they uh, are caught uh, messing with the refrigerant levels of someone's system that there is a $10,000 fine for that technician. They lose their license and I believe there's also a $10,000 fine for the establishment that has hired them. I brought that to the head of HR's attention in the email when I CC'd her on the email to the GM and no one has followed up with me on any of that information. However, I have since been harassed from the former employee in the middle of the night that texted me inappropriate messages, letting me be aware of the fact that they are talking about me at work. Now, if I'm told not to gossip and not to talk to anybody at work, I think the rules should apply to them as well. When there is disunity and disharmony in the workplace, that is when pay can be affected. That is when culture can be affected. That's when turnover rises. And when you do have high turnover, it costs your company so much more in training, <laughs> in time. And there's this thing called lost productivity. The World Health Organization estimated back in, I believe it was May of 2019. You could look online and see what the date is exactly, but I know the year was 2019. This was prior to the big shutdown, right? Some places started to shut down, but like the big global shutdown where everybody was shutting down, everybody was locked indoors during the pandemic. They estimated that at least $1 trillion of productivity was lost in the workplace because work Organizations do not have established systems and processes for people with depression and anxiety specifically. I imagine it's 10 times more tragic right now after the shutdown. What that means in layman's terms, if you're younger and you're listening, you're like, what did she just say? That means they estimated that $1 trillion of potential hard extra work that people would do for free if the cultures were better, like I did when I worked at the psych hospital and created five alternative therapy programs for free outside of my work hours because the culture was good, that is lost forever. It's hard to measure what could be available but isn't when people aren't being truthful. But I'll tell you this much, when I drove to the corporate training because my regional manager encouraged us to drive with him because our flights were canceled 
um, three or four of our flights had gotten canceled, he called and said, a lot of us are just going to ride together if you would prefer. I said, it sounds like that would be easier on the team. He's like, yes, it would be. I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm good. I'll, I'll ride with you guys. During that drive with the regional manager that sexually harassed me, he told me their turnover rate at that particular location, I don't know if it's all the locations, was 75%. They were losing 75% of the people they were hiring. Do you know how much money that costs the organization? They're trying to figure out why. <laughs> I'm bringing to light some of the reasons why I have brought to light from the few months that I have worked there because I see things differently. Leaders see things differently. When you have worked and experienced good organizations <laughs> that have unity, like when I got the chance to learn from Jeff Olson and his team in direct sales, uh, they crushed they dominated the direct sales industry. They broke pretty much every record in a 150 year industry and they grossed over $1.5 billion with a B in five and a half years with only a few number of products and zero paid advertising, word of mouth. Because everyone in the culture, everyone in the team worked together. We were encouraged as new people to reach out to top leaders. Didn't matter what line. Reach out to your top leaders. They will help you. If they don't know how to help you, they will connect you to another leader that can help you. And I did. I took action on it. I listened to them. This was the first year I had a smartphone that I knew how to operate. And I started learning how to talk to people, how to um, meet a new person. They said, talk to two people a day. I was like, I'm extremely anxious. I don't know if I could do that. But I started to do it, to try it. And the weeks that I followed their 10 steps were the weeks that I felt way more successful professionally. Within my first five weeks, I earned my investment back while working full time as a teacher, while coaching outside of school hours and learning a new smart device. It took me longer than most because I was new to uh, learning the technology operations and learning how to post on social media. I knew a little bit um, from my computer for the first social media app on Facebook because um, I was on that when I was in college, but it was different from the hand device. By the second month, I had, uh, I had earned a promotion, and I wanna say by the third month, I had the highest sales volume of our top leader in our area. Um, so she invited me and some other people to this private exclusive luncheon so she could learn more from me on what I was doing because the leaders wanted to give more attention to the leading new people. I followed their system and they rewarded me following their system. Within a few months, um, I realized that my relationship with my husband was going way south because he actually did not want me to sign up. He actually lied to the lady on the phone and told her that we didn't have the $500 to invest. 
so I was planning my way of getting out. If you are in a relationship where someone does not value you enough to invest in you starting a business when you had struggled years before with five part-time jobs and they did not help you in that situation, they will never help you. You have to stand up for yourself. So I started making friends with people. I started learning business and I started um, realizing how much happier I was when I wasn't around him. Now, I'm not saying that to bash any person, but he and I started to grow apart. And sometimes in relationships, that happens. Um, He lied about his faith system to my father and to me during our engagement. Maybe he thought that that was his faith system and then changed his mind. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how to see his heart. All I know is what I can trust someone says and their actions are different. Um, So I made the decision to walk away from the marriage because it was null and void and it was not um, held favorable by the creator of the universe. People in that organization stepped up to help me. Although I was in that teaching position, I taught at a high school with a guaranteed contract and unfortunately that guaranteed contract ended abruptly through a loophole that the district had for all first-year teachers that were in the district. I wasn't a first-year teacher, but I had moved to the district because of my husband's choices and taught in a new district, and I was at the bottom of the totem pole, so I was laid off. And I didn't have a lot of income coming in. I did not want to go on unemployment But I was so fed up with the economy, so fed up with working and getting a master's degree and not having jobs and getting continually disrespected in the workplace as a woman, as a person with depression, whatever you want to say was the reasoning behind it, bad circumstances. Um, So I decided to start leaning in to this business, to direct sales and to improving myself because I was listening to a lot of different leaders like Jim Rohn and he was saying things on his videos on YouTube like uh, if you want to make more money you got to change yourself you got to improve yourself so I had watched a webinar on how to um, write a book in 90 days or less it was like a best-selling book well I didn't get a best-selling book but the uh, process of writing the book was so cathartic so healing for me I got into affirmations through one of the leaders of this team Jenny Thummel um she spoke about her own struggles with depression during the bad economy and um, she and I were going to connect later on not sure when but she um, wants to be a guest on the on the show sometime and speak her truth she encouraged me and introduced me to what affirmations were Uh, not not so long after that I started getting into speaking them aloud I joined a group on Facebook that anyone could join it's a free group Um, called the Miracle Morning Group. I connected with a lot of people from there that were positive, like-minded, in wanting to be better human beings, leaders in their space, in their industry. A few of of them have been, well, one in particular was a guest on my podcast in the first year, professional hairstylist, works with celebrities, um, tons of people. And it was through that group that I saw the free webinar and wrote the book. Worked on that the year of my divorce process. When my dad was in the hospital, I was finalizing the book, and I got to read some of the excerpts to him, and he was so proud of me. And he was scared that I was going to take this job at this hospital, this psych hospital. I'm going to take a drink real quick. 
he was scared for me because he knew what society has said about working in psychiatric hospitals. He read the news. Um, we grew up not too far down the road and the neighborhood of which it was in, uh, this, the, the stigma was so strong even within my own father on his deathbed because I'm his, I'm his little girl. But something within me told me that this, this was where I needed to go. Prior to working there, my dad encouraged me to get into sales and during the divorce process, I had to show the court, the, the judge that I was applying for jobs and I had, over the course of the divorce process, gotten hired <laughs> as a manager of a gym inside sales selling personal training packages. I had never done it before. I had never worked at a gym in a management role before. I had worked at this gym uh, right before graduate school as a personal trainer, not the same location, but same branded name location uh, about 45 minutes to an hour away. And it just so happened that that same person, that same lady, <laughs> was my regional manager that interviewed me for the opportunity. She continued to grow and improve in herself. And at that point, she was responsible for, I believe, 13 locations. So when I interviewed with her and her boss, they loved the story of why I came back to their company because I had been wrongfully hired at a different location. She got me switched over to work for her and made sure that I got paid for the hours that I was promised. When I took this job from her, I trained and initially was going to be an assistant manager at another location, but because I was a part of this direct sales company, I was going to different trainings that were helping me be better professionally in all categories, not just for their industry and their location. So I told her, I said, I, I understand that this boot camp training is for four days. I've already committed and paid to go to the sales conference training where I will learn more about marketing, sales trainings, and I'll be connecting with top level leaders. Um, I will have to miss out on two days, but I can come back and do a new training. Just let me know what works best for you. I will make sure that I memorize the script and the sales process, and I will be prepared when I come back on Monday. She was like, no problem, no worries. Well, I'm at the sales conference, and she messages me, and I remember where I was sitting and who was on stage when I got her text message. I remember Aaron, <laughs> who's one of the top-level leaders of the direct sales company that I was associated with and still am friends with many of them. He was speaking on stage to approximately 17,000 people, maybe give or take, in St. Louis, and she texts me and says, hey, are you ready to run your own personal training department come Monday in Redondo, which is a small little area um, on the beach, Federal Way, Washington. I was supposed to be an assistant manager and I only had two days of training, but she saw something within me that I didn't see within myself. I said, yes looking forward to it. She said, great, see you Monday. 
within the first two weeks, I had sold... Now, mind you, I didn't have any experience selling personal training ever. And I only had two days of training. I had sold $20,000 worth of personal training packages within my first two weeks. My first sale was the largest package you can sell. Uh, <laughs> within my first 30 days, I didn't know if that was good or not. Like, price points, I didn't, I didn't know. I was just following what she told me to do and calling every single person and setting up a minimum of six appointments, six hours of appointments per day was my goal to set up and have sit downs for. And they said, you'll get one to two sales if you're filling it up every single day. Okay, great. So I followed it. And within 30 days, I had qualified. She told me, hey, Aaron, just wanted to let you know, you are in because you have to earn the title based on your sales. You had, I, I was working as a personal training director, but I was only at the level because you had to earn your ranking as the assistant manager, although there was no acting director there. It was the GM and me were running the shop and then the head of the operations. <laughs> and I had qualified for the top 100 in the nation for that particular position. When she told me that, I was like, when I feel like, and this is my inside thoughts, when I feel like I can compete and win, I wanna know what my rankings are compared to everyone else. When I don't feel like I can win, you ain't gonna ever see me compete. Mm -mm. Winners desire for fair circumstances. So I said, how many are in this list? <laughs> and she, she didn't really, she was surprised that I asked that. And I want to say, this is a few years ago, I want to say she said somewhere in the 200 mark or something like that. So, but she said, Aaron, they're impressed with you. And my boss wants to come and see your processes and see what you're doing differently. <laughs> I was like, what? So I was in this particular role when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and it completely shook me. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to verbalize it because my parents are my world. And although we bicker and fight, you know, and things like that, like all families do, I was daddy's girl. And he had already been through cancer once and beat it for 19 years and he wasn't supposed to get it again, but he did. And I made a decision to make a shift in my career path. Um, also because the hours were way too, way too big at that gym. We were working nine to nine, Monday through Friday. I think it was nine to seven on Fridays. And Saturdays was like eight to five, I think, or eight to four. And then Sundays, I was in a group text with um, the sales team from all 13 locations that was my personal phone that I could not have any workplace separation. And I was new to smartphones and I, it was overwhelming me that I didn't have a separation from my job when I was only one day off on Sundays. 
a day that I respect for my faith. So I made the decision that it wasn't a good work-life balance. And also um, the sales, a few like around that same time, a little bit before we found out that, I knew my dad was sick, but we didn't know it was cancer when we thought it was pneumonia and stuff. Uh, my sales rankings were going down because I had called everyone in my leads list. I had called everyone in the old people's leads list. My GM was not as motivated to get new people to join the gym. So my boss was like, telling me to lie to people to get them to come in to schedule appointments now if you have to lie to make a sale there's something's wrong in your organization so anyway uh i i did what i did because this the circumstances exceeded uh the level of standards that i had and my level of unity my the power of unity within my family was in question because the leader of our household even though I didn't physically live with my parents anymore because I was an adult, still forever my parents, forever. If, even if you move out of your parents' house, you always have love and appreciation and concern for them. And when dad was sick, that shifted my choice in the hours that I was willing to allocate to the job. So I took the job at the hospital, and it was the best decision for me in that current life circumstance. I want to encourage you, if you have been struggling, looking for a job right now, and maybe you've got a sick parent right now that you're dealing with, um, maybe you're taking care of them, maybe they're transitioning into um, like assisted facilities and you're worried about how they're going to be treated, the cost factors, you're worried about their mental well-being, uh, the COVID numbers and if they're allowed to have volunteers or visitors so that you can visit your own family member, I understand and empathize with you. My dad in his deathbed on his last day, he had been um, infected somewhere along the line a few years prior in one of his doctor's appointments or one of the nurses didn't have didn't wash her hands properly I'm not sure how he got it but he was diagnosed with MRSA so on the day that he died we're all trying to grieve and be with him and he's unconscious and the nurses have full coverings all over their bodies mask shield gloved, taped up, so none of their skin could potentially become infected from something that he was infected with from a medical provider. Now, I touched him with my bare hands, because that's my dad, and I don't give a crap over what diagnosis a person has. If you are my family member, I washed my hands. I put sanitizer on. That was his last day, and you better believe. You better believe. Then I wanted to feel the warmth of his hands. And I got to play. My niece had been, my brother had shared a song she was working on. She had left. Disney movies and whatnot, and he wasn't able to be present during his last day, during Dad's last day. But I knew that he wanted my niece 
to share some music with Dad. I just something told me get the song out. She had he had sent the recording of her singing. I want to say it was Aladdin, uh, a whole new world, because that was something that my brother and I would sing in the car ride growing up when Mom would go into the store real quick to get some milk, and he would secretly sing the song with me and direct me. <laughs> so he taught that song to my niece, and I put the phone on Dad's shoulder and dad was unconscious but um, he was uh, sedated so that he could slowly pass away in peace and during that time we're playing the song by his ear I know that his spirit still was with us because he squeezed my hand when his granddaughter was singing really hard to share this so if you're listening right now you might be getting emotional like I am because this is real this is I don't edit this show this is me just sharing my heart with you dad always encouraged us to sing to use our gifts to make people's lives better than we found them to make our jobs better than we found them. And although he's not on this earth anymore, you get to benefit from that if you're associated in my community. I encourage you, if you're listening, still listening to the show, to find someone at your job, at your school, at your church, in your neighborhood. Or if you're in the military, find, find a military spouse or a dependent and reach out to them. Reach out to them today. Whoever that is for you, whoever you're thinking of right now, when I said those different categories, the first person that came to mind. And if you have time, reach out to four more other people today. Reach out to them, check in with them, and tell them that you love them, and let them know that you're thinking about them, and ask them if there is anything you can do to support them, because I 100% believe that if you do this, it will bring a sense of peace in your heart, in your mind, and it will also help them to get through this catastrophe that is going on in the world. We all need to step up and do a little bit more to spread more love and kindness and compassion. And if you are listening right now and you are a leader in my current day job, I want you to know that I still am open to a conversation and I am still open of doing something amicably but if you do not reach out there is only a certain amount of time and patience left that the daughter of the most high king has for you do not delay any further really grateful for those of you that have been consistently listening to this show since we aired the first episode with Mr. Krause in 2019 he and I recorded the show I want to say in 2018 it took me about six months to air it 
uh, through a variety of technical glitches and also my own apprehensions. Somehow, in some way, people in the community, online, and through closed doors, behind closed doors, I should say, have, I'm gonna turn my car on because I'm back to my vehicle. Somehow, uh, we're in the top 10% across all podcast shows, across all industries. I still don't know how it's possible, but that is ranked from Listen Notes. If you go on their website, they rank all podcast shows in the world. There are 2.78 plus million podcast shows, or at least the last time I checked. Um, some people quit and drop off, and some people join and start, so there might be more or less, give or take. But to be ranked in the top 10% without any prior knowledge of even what a podcast was, my friend in graduate school in 2011 told me about podcasting and what it was, and she said she loved to listen to it. This was Rachel that I lived with. She let me live with her for free. My first month I paid her because I forced her to deposit the check. After that, she wouldn't, she would not allow me to. She secretly didn't cash any of the checks because for her, she was not focused on money. She loved that I lived with her and she wanted, she wanted a friend to live with her so she wouldn't be alone. I'm so grateful for her. And she did not have the same belief system as me and that doesn't matter. Whatever your faith system is, I love you, respect you, we love you at Erin Nicole Ministries, at Move Happy and Erin Nicole Media. If there is anything that we can do for you, um, don't hesitate to reach out, but please understand that um, I have experienced multiple counts of illegal hacking from professional hackers that I believe I know who they are. And I cannot control it if they delete your emails, if they delete your DMs, or if they block your phone calls. But I will do my best to be as responsive as humanly possible. If you reach out to me, reach out on multiple counts. And if you've got my phone number, you're in my small network, or um, I thought you were at one point. If you're not, um, don't use my phone number because you'll get caught. <laughs> I love you guys so much. And... Make sure if your parents, if your family are still alive right now, especially your father, if he's still alive, let him know how much you love him and what you love most about him because I guarantee he's needing some support and encouragement right now and I can't tell my dad that anymore. So I encourage you to tell that to your father. All right. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. We'll see you next week.